Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Time for Health show with me, Lewis Pierce, and my lovely co-host, Matthew Long. How are you, mate? I am fine. Good morning, Lewis, and good morning, everyone who's listening. Right, quick disclaimer, because I can already hear her talking now, is obviously lockdown. Sarah's a key worker. If you're new here, she's my wife. She's um, works in the med centre, in the military, and uh, she's on a 12-hour shift today. So I've got Evelyn at home with me. Normally, Sarah's. Conveniently, we've never had to rearrange a recording yet, which is mad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Today's the first time that she's been in work when we normally do our recordings, which is 8.30 UK time on a Tuesday. But um, Evelyn's at home with me today. She's currently got a drink. She's got a bit of telly. Um, but she likes to sing. If you're if a client's listening, Matt's in my coaching group. She likes to sing. Any live video I do, any live training I do, you can hear her singing. So if you hear someone singing in the background, it's just her. We're just here keeping it real in lockdown. Well, what else can we do? We just have to uh, adapt and overcome. Oh, God. I just vomited in my mouth. That's right. <laughs> okay, so Matt, today we would, you, uh, you mentioned me last night and said, what, what should we talk about today? And I was like, no idea. And you said, let's talk about fear, panic, panic attacks. I suppose yep. anxiety comes under that umbrella as well. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's all, uh, all tied in. Um, but so what we must remember with all this is that... Uh, a lot of the anxiety and fear uh, puts us under stress that we don't need. And quite often, it's just something that's just in our, I say just in our head. Uh, that makes it sounds very trivial. But it's our, it's our brain kicking into a survival mode. Uh, and that survival mode then starts triggering uh, things like anxiety, fear, and even panic attacks. And... Uh, We've got to look at what the key trigger is. What's the, what's the trigger that's starting these, uh, this fear, the, this, uh, this survival mode that we're kicking ourselves into? Um, there's a lot of fear and panic going around. Oh, there was a lot of fear and panic going around at the beginning of the lockdown. Oh, when people were anticipating lockdown, fear of panic of running out of essentials, even though at no point did anyone say the shops were going to be closed for buying food. But a lot of people were hoarding. A lot of people were panic, panic buying, as it was uh, labelled by the, uh, the press. Um, so it can come in lots of forms and lots of behaviours. But the, uh, the, the flight, flight, freeze response that's triggered when you're going into survival mode, um, pumps you with lots of chemicals, um, some good, some bad. And over a long-term effect, uh, some of those bad chemicals can be really detrimental to the way you think, the way your body works, and uh, we, we need to be able to switch it off. Normally, a flight-flight-freeze response would be a very short-lived, you know, walk around a corner, dog tries to attack you, you run away. You burn off all the bad chemicals running away, and then you're, you're fine again uh, once you're in a, a safe environment. So uh, normally it's very short-lived, but when we're in these situations which we have in modern society now, where we're stressed and we're in survival mode for longer periods of time, then it can really have a physiological effect on the body, uh, as well as the brain. So we need to look at why we go into survival mode, and that's just, I mean, the word itself speaks for itself. We, the brain, our primitive brain, our reptilian brain, our chimp brain, monkey brain, whatever you want to call it, um, hasn't changed much over the thousands of years that uh, man's been on earth and it still remembers times in its life when it's had a situation that it's been put into fear or into panic or whatever and then when similar feelings arise it goes back into that feeling of 
panic, fear, wanting to run away, wanting to hide, whatever it is. Uh, but we need to break that loop. We need to break that chain. And we'll talk about that later. Um, what, when people have this um, severe anxiety, these uh, uh, phases like panic attacks, um, it's quite often triggered by voices in our head saying, what if? What if this happens? What if you know, that dog is around the corner again? What if you know, we run out of toilet roll? What if, what if, what if? And it starts to exaggerate itself. It starts to go, what if I go to the shops and I touch something that's got COVID-19? What if uh, you know, I suddenly fall ill and I think it's COVID-19, but it's not? What if, what if? And it's, you know, and, it, and the brain starts to run away with itself. It starts to escalate. It starts to go into a state what we call catastrophizing, where it's exaggerating the what if and making it sound really bad and driving you into a panic mode, flight, flight, freeze response. So when we're going into this state, the kind of things that we can feel, um, and some of this is uh, physically symptomatic, so we can start feeling our heart start to race and pound in our chest. We can start feeling a tightness in the chest, which makes it difficult to breathe. We'll start shallow breathing, which a lot of these symptoms will start some people um, believing they're having a heart attack. Uh, it can actually instigate pain in the chest that doesn't, in theory, physically exist. But you start imagining it and you start feeling it. Um, of course, with this, you get confusion, you get intense fear. You can go into a, a, a slight state of shock with what's going on. You can imagine if you suddenly can't breathe properly, your chest is tight, you're feeling like you're having a heart attack and you believe you're having a heart attack. Um, the fear that that will bring up is quite intense. Hence why, you know, the panic attack can be uh, quite serious or feel very, very serious for the person having it. I think... Um... A lot of the time when people experience something, we have, <clears throat> we always call upon past experiences to kind of assume how we should feel. So we'll, we'll experience something in the past. For example, like this is why if you've been ever like cheated on in the past or whatever, if someone if something similar happens again in a, in a future relationship, we automatically go down that route of this is the memory I have of this situation. This is what I feel. But I think with panic attacks and anxiety and that fear of, What's what could happen because you've got no filter to put it through, nothing to compare it against. Your mind just goes absolutely crazy and your imagination goes mad and you're feeling all kinds of emotion that realistically probably wouldn't, you wouldn't even feel if that situation actually occurred. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. Now, there can be inst instances where someone may have had a heart attack and then later has a panic attack because they believe they're having a heart attack, even though they're not. So... Um, you know, the brain can recall on some memories, which are very similar. Uh, might be even times from a time when they can't really re consciously remember, but the subconscious part of the brain uh, still remembers it. So it compares it in that way. But this intense fear that can be brought up, you know, your imagination going wild of how bad things could be, uh, the uh, catastrophizing, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and for some people, it can be so severe that they actually believe they're about to die. It can be that severe. So, you know, we, we need to be able to take control of our, our mind, our conscious thoughts, our subconscious thoughts, and be able to bring it all back to a, a state where we are not in flight, flight, freeze. We're not in panic mode. We're not in the, uh, the fear mode. And um, 
there, there are ways of doing that and we're going to go through some of those uh, shortly but first of all we're going to talk about you know we need we need anxiety we need fear we need um, I wouldn't say panic attacks as such but we need to have that fear and that anxiety in our lives so we can't just eliminate it completely because there are times uh, you know, and I know with you living out in Cyprus, Lewis, you probably, if you suddenly saw a snake uh, running across the road in front, I say running, slithering across the road in front of you, you might instantly have a few seconds of panic as you realise this snake's coming towards you. Uh, and then you realise maybe it's not poisonous, or then you maybe realise that actually you can just step out of the way and it's going to go past doing its own business. So we do need that anxiety. We do need that trigger that's going to protect us in certain situations. It might be you're driving down the road and a car pulls out a little bit too far and you have to swerve to miss it. Uh, so we do need that anxiety and that fear in the, you know, to be drawn upon when we need it. So we can't just get rid of it. Uh, and so therefore this is why, you know, the, our brains have not got rid of it because we need to be able to survive. And hence why we do so well on the, on planet earth as human beings. And so, so we, we do need anxiety, so we can't get rid of it completely. But when it becomes debilitating in our daily lives, that's when we need to do something about it. So we can get rid of that kind of anxiety, that kind of stuff that can bring on those kind of panic attacks. Because it's debilitating, we don't need it. And quite often it is something that if we rationally thought about it, and we probably do rationally think about it, but we've got out of control. But if we rationally thought about it, we know we're actually being stupid. We know it's not going to happen. We know it's not going to be as bad as what we're thinking. But it's very hard to break that cycle. Now, something we, get, we um, use when I'm using therapy is we use something called a subscale. Subject units of distress. And this is a medical thing. Um, so when someone is in a state of stress or pain or something like that, we ask them to give it a scale of naught to 10. So once you can calibrate it, once you can work out what sort of level you're on, and you could be on a 10. If you don't know what number it is, just put it on a 10 anyway. And we can use that to recalibrate ourselves as we go through various exercises to reduce it. And we're going to come back to that in a little bit. Um, but what we must remember about anxiety and panic attacks, they're quite often triggered through habits. Uh, it'll be that particular situation that you're in that will suddenly trigger um, that way of thinking. Now, what we've got to be uh, understanding of is that we do anxiety. Anxiety doesn't happen to us. We do anxiety. We, we're the ones who instigate it in our heads, you know, because anxiety is some fear of something in the future. Now, if that hasn't happened yet, why are you scared right now? So we need to live in the present when it comes to it. We need to understand that that anxiety, those panic attacks are just our brain's way of trying to protect us from something that is going to happen in the future. A bit like you mentioned earlier about, you know, walking around the, around the corner and you suddenly find a dog there that's barking and snarling at you. You go around that same corner a week later, you're going to be cautious. You're going to have that anxiety. You haven't even got around the corner yet, but you know that your memory knows that last time you went around that corner, there was a dog snarling and, trying to bite you as you went around the corner. So you go around that corner with a bit more caution and you need that anxiety, you need that fear in your life to protect you for those kind of uh, things that might happen. But we we do it, we do anxiety, we do, we do our, we instigate our own panic attacks. Um, once we realize that and we work out what the triggers are, then we can start doing something about it. Now it could be um, 
breathing exercises, it could be whatever, but we're going to go through those shortly. Remember what it is to triggers our anxiety and our panic attacks, and we can work it out from there. Now, the sympathetic nervous system is the thing that triggers anxiety, um, but it's the parasympathetic nervous system that triggers the flight, flight, freeze. So our thoughts and everything, you know, and we can go into how the amygdala works and how that starts to put us in flight, flight, freeze, uh, and it's reacting to our imagination. And that part of the brain, the amygdala, doesn't know the difference between reality and imagination. So as soon as we start imagining it, as soon as we start imagining that dog might be around the corner, we're going to start going into flight, flight, freeze. We're going to start to go into panic mode. We're going to start getting pumped with adrenaline. Our heart's going to race faster, ready to run away, whatever it is. Um, so we need to understand that our imagination fools our amygdala into thinking it's real. And this is why we can bring on something as severe as a panic attack. Now, I've worked with a client in the past whose panic attacks were so severe that he would pass out. And these were happening four or five times a day. And doing some of the methods that uh, I'm going to cover today, he's managed to bring those panic attacks under control and he now no longer faints. And he's now being able to drive again and go back to work, which has been amazing. It's been a long journey for him, but it's been, it's, uh, it has been achievable. So reacting to our imagination, this can give us a, not only a mental response, but a physical response, as I mentioned, with heart rate, tight chest, struggle to breathe, and even pain. You can even feel pain through it. So something I looked up online is called um, 7-Eleven breathing. This is nothing I have done. I am totally stealing it from elsewhere. Now, the 7-Eleven breathing, as soon as you start to feel like you're going into a anxiety attack, whatever you want to call it. 7-Eleven breathing is a way to bring the parasympathetic nervous system back under control. It's linked with the vagus nerve, it's linked directly with the brain, and by slowing our breathing down, it physiologically changes the way our mind is responding. So the physical now is making the mind respond, rather than the mind, the imagination, making the body respond. So we can reverse engineer basically what's happening. Now, 7-Eleven breathing is a very nice, easy way to bring control uh, back to your physical state. And all it is, is you can breathe in slowly for seven seconds and you can breathe out even slower for 11 seconds. Now, you might not be able to achieve that straight away because you might be breathing so rapidly. But as you start to control it and focus on your breathing, try to breathe in slower, breathing out slower, then your parasympathetic nervous system is going to just start to calm your mind as well as your body. Now, if you have trouble slowly breathing out for 11 seconds, you can just purse your lips slightly so you can't breathe out as fast. But it's all about breathing in slowly for seven seconds and breathing out for 11. And this brings everything under control. When you breathe in, your heart rate naturally speeds up. When you breathe out, your heart rate naturally slows down so by breathing in for seven and out for 11 we're going to really slow everything down and you want to do this for a good couple of minutes breathing that slowly as well you won't hyperventilate so you won't feel any more symptoms of the the panic that you're feeling a lot of it comes to shifting focus doesn't it which is what this does you shift your focus to if you're counting your breaths and making sure that they're nice and slow 
then you're not going to be thinking about going to the supermarket and potentially catching COVID-19 because you're too busy worrying about what you're breathing and you can't think about two things at once. Isn't it, mate? Really? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, distraction is a fantastic way of refocusing them in the brain. But with the breathing exercises, we are having a physiological effect on the body and the brain. Uh, so because we're calming the body down, the mind will naturally follow. The same as when the mind starts to panic, the body follows. So we are literally reversing exactly what's going on. So the 7-11 breathing is a great way. And you can use that to help other people. If you see someone else having a panic attack, you may have seen it on TV. You may have seen it on programs where they um, get them to follow their breathing. This is something that doctors and paramedics will do. Uh, they're trained to do. It's exactly the same technique. So if they find someone in a state of panic, you believe they're having a heart attack, or they, you know, and their but their their obs, uh, you know, the heart rate, their pulse rate, their blood pressure, and everything is fine, but they're still feeling like they're having a heart attack. Then of course they're, they're going to look at this person's probably having a panic attack, uh, and they will get them to control their breathing by following their breathing. Like that way, again, it gets them to focus on them rather than what they're doing, and it controls their breathing and, and brings it down. So we can go back to the subscale now. So when you've breathed. 7-11 breathing for a couple of minutes, you can recalibrate. Are you still on a 10 out of 10 or is it now a 5 out of 10? The chances are you would have reduced that number. And you want to keep continuing to do this until you get back down to a zero. And you always want to bring panic and anxiety down to a zero. So you might have to just keep doing it longer. Uh, and you can do all sorts of things to help bring that down to the zero. It's not just about 7-11 breathing. But recalibrating makes you realize that these things work using the subscale. I started panicking. I was on a 7 out of 10. I've done two minutes of breathing exercises. And now I'm only on a 4 out of 10. So another two minutes, I'm now on a 1 out of 10. Do a couple minutes more, and I'm feeling fine. I'm back down to a zero, which is where I want to be. So it's a great distraction technique, but it's a great way of bringing your body back into control. Other things you could do with the brain, and we talked about the breaking the chain, breaking the loop, the breaking the, uh, the triggers. As soon as you start feeling or thinking in that way that you know is going to trigger an anxiety or panic attack, you need to do what we call a pattern interrupt. So as soon as you realize it's happening, you just want to shout out loud in your head or, even, or with your voice, stop. This is silly. I need to think about something completely different. That's what you're thinking in your head. And start thinking. Give yourself a positive affirmation, positive comment. It's going to be fine. I know it's going to be fine because I've been here before and I'll get through it and I know it's only a panic attack. So I am going to be fine. I'm just going to carry on with my life and I'm just going to get on with it. There's no point being in anxiety. There's no point being in panic because I'm much better than that and I don't deserve it. I'm going to be going to go and do something more positive and think about something positive that you can go and do. I'm going to, be, I'm going to go and do the washing up. I'm going to go get the get hoover out and vacuum. I'm going to do something in it. You know, something that's going to give you a positive feeling about yourself, you know, rather than focusing. This is a massive distraction technique, but it's a pattern interrupt. It's breaking that pattern that triggers your anxiety or your panic attacks. Okay. There's another, you know, that affirmation is great. And using that with the breathing techniques can be even better. Bring that 7-Eleven in and start bringing in your positive comments and affirmation for yourself you're going to double the strength of breaking that chain, of breaking that panic attack and that anxiety attack. Something else we can do, and uh, again, this is all stuff that you can find online. Science has you know, been investigating this stuff for years, and it's all online, and it's all available. Um, something we can do is called bilateral stimulation. 
Now this is uh, where you just take an object like a pen, your mobile phone, and keeping your arms out wider than your body is you pass that object from one hand to the other, following it with your eyes. So you want to hold your hands up. It's going to be a bit hard to describe in audio, but you've got your hands out like you're, um, I don't know, about to hug someone, but you've got an object in one hand. And then you're going to pass that object into the middle to the other hand. And then you're going to pass it out to the other side. And you're going to follow it with your eyes as you do it. So we're stimulating both sides of the brain. Now we've got one side of the brain that controls all the emotion and our emotional reaction, and our fear. Then we've got the other side of the brain, which is analytical. And then by following this object that you're passing from side to side for a couple of minutes, uh, and if your arms start to ache, obviously stop, um, but you can pass it from side to side and we're getting the brain to talk to itself. We're joining both sides of the brain together. So you can have your analytical side of the brain that tells you don't be so stupid. Your other side of your brain that's going to tell you you need to fear and panic, join the two together and it all starts to calm down. And again, it's a distraction technique, but again, it's actually having a physical effect going on in the brain because the brain now starts to realize and listen to itself on both sides rather than just reacting with fear and anxiety. And it's a great way of uh, just stimulating the brain, both sides to talk to each other and get yourself calmer. And you can imagine if you start doing your breathing exercises, you start doing your positive affirmation and you start then doing your bilateral stimulation all at once, you're gonna absolutely smash and get rid of any panic or anxiety that might be happening. You're going to absolutely smash it away, and that's what we want. We want to be able to just get rid of it. You know, that kind of deliberate, can't even say the word now, <laughs> debilitating, that kind of debilitating panic and fear is something we just don't need in our lives. We need anxiety, we need fear in our lives to protect us, but when it's debilitating, we just don't need it. We can get rid of it. And by doing those three simple tools, whether you do one at a time, find out what's best for you, practice with them. But you're going to soon find that you're going to break that pattern. You're going to stop those triggers from happening. And you're not going to have your panic attacks and anxiety attacks anymore. And just getting out and doing stuff that makes you happy is going to keep those panic attacks away. That's walking in the countryside, doing a little bit of exercise, doing a little bit of uh, aerobics to a YouTube thing, whatever it is. You know, do those things that make you happy. Keep those endorphins high. Keep those dopamine levels nice and high. And you get less likely to start spiraling into some kind of anxiety or panic. Another thing we could do, final one now, this has got nothing to do with the other three. This is a completely different one. Is to write down what it is you're scared of. What it is that fear. What it is that's causing that panic. Put words to it. So if you when you go into a panic attack, when you go into uh, an anxiety attack, if it's because it's a fear of getting in a car, for example, write down, I'm scared to get in the car. Then write down why you're scared to get in the car. So what we're now doing is we're putting words to paper, we're putting our thoughts to paper. And then when you start writing them out and reading them out, then you start, say you have a list of four or five things why you're scared to get in the car. It might crash, it might break down blah 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 whatever it is then you start writing on the other side what is more likely to happen or you could even put well if it does happen what's going to happen and you'll as you write it down you'll suddenly realize it's not as bad as what your brain is making it out to be i might break down what's going to happen well i'm going to phone the breakdown recovery or i'm going to phone my partner to come pick me up well that's not too bad then 
What happens if someone does actually crash into you? Well, the emergency service will be called and they'll come and assist you. You know, the chances of you actually having an accident on that journey are quite low. Uh, you know, and you can even do look up online and work out the percentages. Find the information from the specialists. Don't just go with what your brain's telling you. Actually look up it online and go to reputable sources. Find, find the specialists that can tell you the answers to your questions. So if you're believing you're going to go out and crash, if you actually look it up online, what's the percentage of cars that crash in a day, blah, 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 you'll find out it's so low that the chances are you'd win the lottery first. But, um, you know, so you can work it out that way and actually answer your questions with solid, reputable, scientific information. And you'll start then basically cancelling out your negative thoughts. Got anything to add, Lewis? Yeah, well, you've got, to, you've got to remember, we've talked about social media before. There's a, the whole COVID-19 thing. There was a lot of fear-mongering of people. Told you this again would start. There's a lot of people who seem to enjoy. They, seem, they must get paid because they spend a lot of time doing it, but creating fear and panic within the, within the world. It's just what people like to do. It gives them some degree of control, I suppose. But make sure that any opinion that you are formulating on something is based on facts and isn't just that, an opinion. Because it's very easy for you to overthink on someone's opinion, panic, worry. Just get the facts on every kind of situation before you start overthinking stuff and putting yourself into a state. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and it's making sure you've got the right facts and verifying facts that people give you. Because some people will state things online and you'll be like, wow, that's amazing. And then you week later you find out they were talking uh, a lot of rubbish. <laughs> yeah. so. You see it a lot in nutrition when people like the diet cults out there, they'll say, Oh yeah. Intermittent fasting does this, 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 and this. You're like, okay. Got any evidence of that? <laughs> no, well, yeah. well, my mate Dave did it and it worked for him. Or the company who made it are the ones who have done the t- testing and results, <laughs> which uh, means don't believe them. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's all, unless it's like, based on a study or some kind of accurate research, the chances are Dave's opinion on Facebook is a load of bollocks. Absolutely. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't overthink. You shouldn't put yourself into a negative state based on what Dave or Sally on Facebook think about the world. But the biggest thing for me when it comes to controlling anxiety is because if you're a business owner, I work with a lot of business owners and being one myself, it's very easy for you to, panic about the future of where your business could be and especially right now with whole COVID-19 that's going on you know if you're a business owner it's, it's an uncertain time for a lot of businesses especially if you're a brick, brick and mortar business so the, the, the biggest thing I would say that you need to do is focus on two things okay focus on controlling the present because that's all you have control over is the present yet how you feel and what you do right now is all that matters what what's what you're fearing of the future might may or may not happen is irrelevant. It is out of your control. But you can have a positive influence on the future by taking positive action in the present. So spend less time worrying about the future and just take action in the present that's within your control. Control how you feel, control the action that you take, and stop worrying about the past or the future. 
or the past ref- repeating itself in the future or some imaginary future coming to fruition because nobody can see the future. So what's the point of worrying about it? Excellent. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. There's no point panicking and or driving yourself into some kind of panic over the future, anxiety attack, whatever, because it hasn't happened yet. It's probably not going to be as bad as you imagine because your brain is imagining the worst case scenario because it wants to protect you, help you to survive. So if it triggers that response, then you're less likely to get into that kind of trouble. But the chances are it's not going to be as bad as you think anyway. So, uh, yeah, and that's why a great way of writing it all out, writing it down, breaking it down, getting the correct answers to your questions, what if, is going to be a great way of um, bringing it all back under control, breaking that pattern, breaking that cycle that's giving you regular anxiety or panic attacks. Yeah. Um, you're probably you're probably just asking the wrong questions. You're asking bad questions, poor quality questions like why that was be my next point. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to jump in there. <laughs> That's yeah, so what, why yeah, why right. why is this happening to me? Why is this happening? Why why me? Why is this? Blah blah blah. You're gonna feel yeah. negative if you're asking and, yourself. And what if, like what if, what if, what if it's gonna be really bad? What is if I'm gonna die? What is if I'm gonna, you know, whatever. Uh, and asking those kind of questions are just gonna drive and uh, exacerbate the way you feel. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if we can start asking, okay, what can I do about it? What is it I can do now that's gonna make me feel better? What is it I can do now that's gonna make the situation better? Yeah. Yeah, asking those kind of positive questions, reframing it for yourself, is going to change the way you're thinking. And by doing those, maybe doing a couple of things that I've mentioned already today about the positive affirmation, the pattern interrupt, the bilateral stimulation, the breathing exercises, is going to make you feel more positive anyway. And you can then change that. You can use that panic energy, that anxiety energy, then as a driving force to change what's going to be going on in your life. To use that energy to then make a positive bring a positive outcome right i'm going to make sure i do this i'm going to make sure i can do that i'm going to go and achieve this i'm going to go and read my favorite you know a chapter out of my favorite book that i'm reading at the moment whatever it is you know listen to a meditation cd cd do we still have cds <laughs> probably not but listen to something that that makes you feel positive Take yourself back in your mind to a time and a place when you were really happy, whether it would be on holiday, whether it would be a birthday party, a celebration of some kind, where you're really happy. And remember what those feelings felt like. You can just take yourself off. You can close your eyes. You can go off for five minutes, close your eyes, and just imagine that time and a place. And you can do that right now. You can take yourself back to a time and a place where you were really happy, really confident, without a care in the world. And use that, latch on to that feeling that you get from that memory. Because that feeling that you get from that memory, remember our amygdala doesn't know the difference between your imagination and reality. The amygdala will start responding to that feeling and that imagination that you're remembering. And that'll calm it down. So mine for me is when I, when I was away, there's a couple I use. When I was away on holiday for a weekend with the wife in the caravan and it was just so peaceful, so calm. Yes, I had a glass of wine on the go. And, but I remember my whole body just relaxing. And you can use that yourselves. You can use any time you need to just calm yourself down. Close your eyes. Control your breathing. Focus on a time and a place in your life where you were calm, when you were happy, full of confidence. 
And when you start thinking, and I'm doing it now, as I'm thinking about it, I'm starting to smile to myself. You know, I'm, I can feel my whole state, physical state, my mental state change as I'm focusing on that memory of when I was so relaxed. And I might just start thinking I'm going to fall asleep right now. <laughs> but uh, So we can do that. We can focus on something, a time in our lives. And we use this in a lot in therapy work, using people's imagination to fool the amygdala to calm it down. And it's a great way. It's something you can practice. If you can find that memory, that time in your life when you were just so happy, full of joy, full of love, full of confidence, that care in the world, and just take yourself, remember all the little details of that situation, the people that were there, the smells, the environment, whatever it was, how, how your body felt when you were in that situation. And it will just calm you the heck down. It's a great way of just focusing and changing the way you feel and the way you're thinking. Exactly, mate. It's, it's about you being aware that you are having a panic attack or having some kind of anxiety attack or raised stimulus within yourself that's not wanted or needed. And then having a pattern interrupt that stops you feeling like that or pauses it, you can then shift your focus, whether it's your breath, your, what you're thinking about, to change your state and then ask yourself better quality questions to come up with a solution if there is one to the problem that you are faced with or the thoughts that you are worrying about. Simple as that. Yeah. And I'm just going to give people now a, a simple method they can use. Um, so what we're going to do, as soon as you notice you're going into some kind of anxiety or panic attacks. So the first word is notice it's happening. The second thing you're going to do is give it a number. Um, give it a name, give it a number. So you can put it right. I feel fear and I'm on a level of eight out of 10. So that's your subscale. You're going to give it a name, give it a number, and then you're going to treat. And you're going to treat yourself by either doing a breathing technique, doing an imagination, using um, bilateral stimulation, whatever you want to use, whatever works for you. So you need to practice these things. So you're going to notice it. You're going to give it a name and a number, and you're then going to treat it yourself. Once you've done that treatment, you're going to go back again and then put a number on it. So you can go back and do your subscale give it a name and give it a number. Now the name might change. It might go from anxiety and panic to, well, I'm a bit worried because I've gone from an eight out of 10 to a four out of 10. And now I'm just worried. So now you've got a new name. You've got a new number again, treat it and recalibrate it by again, going through your subscale and keep doing that. Keep treating yourself, keep going through your subscale until you get down to zero. Once you're down to zero, of course, you don't care about anything. It's great. You feel good. And you can go off and get on with your life without panic, without anxiety, without worry. So notice it. Subscale, which is name it and number it and then treat it and keep going through the name and numbering and treating until you've got it down to zero. Don't worry if the name changes, but of course the number will change. You will reduce it. And that gives you a conscious and a subconscious recognition that you have control. And once you've got control over this problem, over these anxiety and panic attacks, you know in the future then that any time it comes up, you can control it. You can treat it yourself, which is a great way of doing it. Awesome. Should we wrap it up there, Matt? We've covered a lot today. I think so. And um, we've, we've got rain today here in the UK, Lewis. It's the first rain we've had in about 10 days. So I don't need to water the garden today, which is lovely. Plants are looking wonderful. I've uh, got lots to be thankful for, even though I'm in lockdown. Um, 
And do you know what? I'm so chilled. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Absolutely. I think now the whole coronavirus thing's kind of settled in and, and become normality. People are calmer, aren't they? Yeah, I think the panic has uh, now gone away. There are people who are going to be in situations, and I fully understand this, who are self-employed, and that might be the only form of income they have. Um, we're not getting any money from the government immediately. Uh, some people won't because they haven't been in business long enough, which is, you know, uh, it can be a real stressful time. But, as we mentioned earlier, focus on the things you can control. Exactly. Use the uh, present wisely, like we said. Use the present. What yeah. can you do now to make the best situation possible? Yeah. Cool. She's getting restless, mate, as you can probably hear. So I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah, no worries. I look forward to that. next week. We're going to, or the next episode, we're going to talk about chronic pain, how we can bring that level down, how we can control it, what affects and creates chronic pain. Uh, so we're going to go quite medical, but we're also going to go a little bit with the mental side of it on how our brain responds to chronic pain. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a great subject. It's going to be full of great tips and tricks. So uh, hopefully you'll all tune in for the next episode. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, mate. Wicked right. Matt. Well, you... <laughs> <laughs> stay safe, stay well. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you in, see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yep. Yeah, thank you everyone. Bye. Bye.